it's too good to be true, then it's not true. And me, it's the opposite. If it's too good to be true, this is what I want. Like, I only want too good to be true. And that's why I live in my dream loft. I drive my dream car. My clients are dream clients. Everything in my life is a dream come true because I don't settle and I go for too good to be true. And I'm really locked in on this is all I want. Welcome to the Prosperity Perspective by DML, a conversation about how successful business owners invest their hard-earned money to preserve their wealth and what they might have done differently in hindsight. Thank you for joining us today, guys. Today, we are joined by Anne Ducharme, and I'm excited for her to share a little bit of a different perspective uh, on her take and how she goes about uh, investing and thinking about passive income. Uh, so without further ado, Em, uh, do you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Of course. So my name is Am, but my real name is Emily. Uh, I'm French Canadian. I come from a village, grew up on a farm, learned how to do hard work and how we only have to work hard to make money. I was an entrepreneur for since I was 20 years old. I never actually had a paycheck. Like I've always worked for myself. I had multiple companies. Right now I own two companies. Uh, one company is in the coaching and mentoring and online uh, courses space. And the other one is the, in the e-commerce furniture space. So I own those two companies. And I used to be an investment broker who now has a pretty different uh, intake when it comes to money. Uh, my, my experience as an investment broker and living in the financial world and living in a very masculine, driven, uh, money-driven like sharky world has changed the way I see money has changed the way I see growth. And I kind of came to this balance with time of mixing how to be responsible with your money, how to have knowledge around money when it comes to investment and stuff like that, but also having the wisdom and the energetics and the therapeutic type of thing to heal your money story in order to create more because what I notice in a lot of people are patterns that no matter how much money you make, you might never be able to get to a point because you're going to have a plateau or you're not going to be able to make money the feminine way, which I would call, and you're always going to need to work hard to make money. So my goal in this lifetime is just to break the limiting beliefs and the patterns of people around money. How did you go from growing up on a farm, which uh, I assume, you know, taught you a lot of hard work, right? I, there's an assumption, right, that, uh, you know, the parents or community around you would push you into, you know, go find something steady uh, mm -hmm. into becoming an entrepreneur. That seems like uh, a big transition. Well, that was not the plan. The, the plan was just I'm not able to have anyone tell me what to do. I am very... I have a very big problem with authority. I dropped out of high school, not because I didn't have good grades. I had excellent grades, but I was deciding when do I want to show up? What time do I want to show up to school at? And like, I always wanted to make my own rules, not in order to be disruptive. I'm just very unconventional and I like to do things my way. And I believe the system is not created to fit everyone in. Not everyone benefits from it. And I think the way the system goes when it comes to school, when it comes to jobs, when, when it comes to everything, is not meant for everyone. I personally cannot work multiple hours every day of the week. It doesn't work for me. It burns me out. I am completely inefficient. 
I, I, I cannot do anything right when I do that. But if I'm, I work three hours a day, I can do what people do in a year and a month. So I created my own design for my own life. And it really all happened by accident. Like I went from the farm to working at McDonald's as a teenager to having my own business. That was kind of a weird transition. How did you jump from, you know, working in the fast food industry to <laughs> having your own business, right? Uh, like uh, what spurred you to do that and where did you start? So I, I come from a small village that's really, really far from uh, any major main city in the world. Uh, the closest town was Montreal. Montreal was still about seven and a half hours drive from there. So it was really in the middle of nowhere. It's uh, it's in the middle of the forest. Like I had bears in my backyard every single day. Uh, so that, that type of place. And when I was about, I can't remember exactly how old I was, but I remember one day I quit my job and I packed all my things in a black garbage bag and I left and I went to Montreal. And that's when the world started for me, where I created, uh, I created truly what I wanted to create from trusting that I would find a way and just opening doors and finding opportunities. Because I believe opportunity, like there's a quote, opportunities dances with those on the dance floor. And I knew nothing good would happen to me if I'm staying in a town where there's no opportunities. It's really like, you have to work on a farm, you have to work in a restaurant, or you have to work in a mine. There's nothing else. And my brothers, they have farms, they work in mines, or they work in restaurants. That's it. So like, they, they didn't change. And they're very happy because now they get to drive my Porsche, they get to like, they get to have fun with things that don't exist there. I'm a completely different person to them. Like, but the, we love each other. I have a completely unconventional life compared to theirs. And they love to benefit from it but it's it was truly just I I didn't want to stay there and I was willing to take risk not knowing what was waiting for me and make it happen with the opportunities and the people I met so as you evolved out of that and now that you were in uh started in Montreal um started to build some of your businesses right once you got to that point where you were earning money uh, mm -hmm. You didn't have to worry about, you know, renting an apartment or paying for food or any of those things. How did you think about, you know, where to invest or where to put that money? Uh, did you put it back into your businesses? Did you, you know, buy the Porsche early, right? Like what, uh, uh, what was the thinking and kind of how did you uh, go about uh, your investment strategy? So my investment strategy took a lot of years to refine because every time I would put money somewhere, it would disappear. Because um, I was not financially responsible. I didn't like to have money in my bank account because I didn't know what it felt like growing up. We were struggling with money. So I didn't know, I had no example, no model, and no one in my life that could tell me what to do with money. So I got scammed a lot. Like people would tell me, like, oh, put your money here and then disappear. Um, I, I, would, I would not be financially responsible with my money. And then at some point, I decided. This is not what I want. I was reading a lot of books about business biographies. Like I was obsessed with success, but I didn't know how to get there myself. And I got an opportunity with an investment firm that recruited me to become a broker for them. But in order to become a broker for them, I needed to go back to school to get a certificate in finance in order to be licensed. 
And I learned a lot with uh, working with the firm. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. I, I didn't, I, I, was, I was not comfortable in that industry, but I knew I was learning things that would stay with me forever regarding finance, investments, and all these things. So I focused on that. And when I decided to build my own business and, uh, and not work uh, as a consultant or uh, self-employed for other people, then I started investing in my business because my biggest advice personally is to secure your cash flow and to create the most cash flow to a point that you're going to, you're, you're not going to have any more time to use for your money. So instead of buying real estate, for example, early on, I decided to invest and buy shares in new companies that would bring me cash flow. And then I would use that cash flow to reinvest. And then it comes a point that you're making so much money that now you can't reinvest more into the business because it's already to a point where the business runs itself. My business runs organically. We make we make sometimes three hundred thousand dollars sales a month uh, in my coaching business, and I, I don't run ads. I'm actually starting that very soon. But I got to a point where I created a lot of income. I reinvested into companies. I invest in opportunities. And now I started investing in real estate because I'm building the legacy. But I think people keep their money tied too early on and they should reinvest into creating more cash, more cash flow, more revenue streams through different ways instead of locking in the money into something that's safe, especially if you're young, especially if you're driven make more money with your money right now so that you can have more opportunities to invest long-term after, is my opinion. So when you said you invested in companies, right, I assume part of that, some of the knowledge and the um, <clears throat> awareness essentially of the companies came from that investor broker job, I would imagine, yeah. was probably the entry into that. Were you investing in other companies and looking for dividends uh, that are coming off of more of stocks or uh, were you a shareholder that's getting distributions? Kind of how did that work and how did you pick which companies to invest in? Yeah. So what I'm doing right now is uh, sometimes people come to me for coaching or consulting into their business. And instead of charging them a fee, we arrange something where they get access to my team, they get access to my network, they get access to investment, and they, they get access to my brain, my strategic brain. And I don't do the work myself into the business, but I get shares and then we worked out something like this. So for example, right now, the I invested in a group of e-commerce that's going to have multiple stores. I own 50%, but I'm the one that ma does the strategy for all the operations and connections and all these things, but I don't do any work. So it's kind of pretty much inspired by Shark Tank, <laughs> if I may say so. And that's kind of where I'm going. So I always get people pitching me like, I need investment. I need strategic help. I want to scale this, but I don't know what to do. Um, I don't know where to go next. And then instead of being like, I'm, you're paying me for my time, it's I'm going to get a percentage of the share and this is what I, I can provide in return. And then if the deal works out, then we'll do it. Got it. So you're, uh, and how did you start with, you know, uh, your first company that you started, you know, advising for and training, you know, time for shares. How, how did that come about? I was just someone that asked me for help. And then I said, I'm stretched with time. 
Um, it was also at the point in my life where I was not taking any more private clients because I was scaling my business through with funnels and courses and through programs. And for me, the idea of sitting an hour every week with a client and give them advice was not sexy enough anymore to do it for the money. It had to be bigger. Like if I'm investing my one-on-one time with the company and I believe in it and I think I could actually blow it up, then I'm going to offer a partnership and then it's up to the person to take it or leave it. And then, so you talked about those creating cash flow. Um, how did that work in terms of uh, the partnership agreement? Then are you looking at distributions at the end of the year that are paid out of the cash flow uh, and a certain percentage of that? Or is it more long term, right? Because usually equity uh, type plays or partnerships, right, are more long term waiting for yeah. an exit, right? So, uh, how, do, how do you balance that cash flow versus terminal value? So, my agreement with this specific company uh we said for the first year we're not going to touch the the profits at all so we're separating since it's an e-commerce and we need money for inventory we have 50 percent of the revenue that goes into um the inventory we have a part that goes for the marketing one for the business operations we're not touching the money right and one for taxes of course and then we're not touching the money for the first year and then we're gonna see how it goes and how the business is growing and then we're gonna start taking a uh, a certain percentage into profit that's going to be split in two since we're two people in the company and that's how it's going to go and then uh possibly building to sell so it's also going to be something that we're going to look at in the future we might start duplicating the recipe that we're building right now and then build up stores and then sell the stores and then start a new one. That's the reason why we're, the business is not the store. It's the group of stores that we're, we're building. So that's for that specific company. That's what we're doing. Um, I'm in talks, for example, just to give another example with a brand new um, influencer agency that wants um, my help when it comes to strategic stuff and, and branding and, and creating the big vision and stuff like this. I do not offer help. And now we're talking about a certain percentage that's going to be way less than uh, 50%. And then after that, we're going to talk about more dividends or end of the year profit shares and stuff like that. That makes sense. So it sounds like the coaching business is throwing off cash flow. You've built it on yeah. a funnel base, uh, a lot of automation, a lot of uh, one to many courses, a lot of mm-hmm. video that you probably don't have to invest your direct time. And so, yeah. That creates a lot of cash flow, probably huge upfront investment to get it all set up, I would imagine. And it was a two years, two years sacrifice. Like the first two years, I didn't pay myself. I paid my bills, but I didn't pay myself. I reinvested every single thing to build a t- team that's amazing. All the systems, all the backend, all the automations, the funnels, everything was built in the two years. And it was during the pandemic. So I had nothing else to do. It's not like I could go and go on vacation, spend money. So I'm like, well, might as well just suck. I'm already at home. I'm going to sacrifice. I don't need to be paid out right now. And now I'm paying myself pretty good. (laughs) But I I got to this point. But it's also, when it comes to what I do, I see it as a long-term vision. So my team that I, I built and I trained, it's not just for my coaching business. They are there for all of my stuff. So I, I don't come by myself. I come with my soldiers. So this is what's really important as well to think about is 
when I come in, I have my team that's already trained for so many things. They're super fast. They're super efficient. They know what they're doing. I can trust them. So I don't have to rebuild everything from scratch every time I start something new because I already come. So then when we need more help, we hire more people. So we just hired someone um, to, maybe three weeks ago. Because I was like, okay, now we need someone else because we're starting to be too busy and I don't want to be too stretched because then if something goes wrong, we're, everything's going to go off the hook. Um, so that's that was my vision. Like if I get a solid team that's working with me, then I'm never going to have to worry about, oh, I have to start this from scratch because we're already starting from something. It's, it's just the implementation that needs to be done. That makes sense. And so it allows you to scale pretty quickly, I imagine, yeah. uh, should bring on new clients as well. Um, as we were chatting beforehand, you had mentioned you travel pretty extensively. Where yeah. did travel fit in in this journey of, uh, you know, getting educated, becoming an investment broker, transitioning, starting your own companies, right? Uh, consulting for others for ownership share, right? Uh, how did that fit in? Was that in the beginning? You know, is that something yeah. that happened more recently? Uh, kind of how do you think about that and balancing that with, you know, making money, cash flow, et cetera? So that's the, the eat, pray, love part of my life. Uh, actually, in 2012, my mother, my boyfriend, my aunt, my, my son-in-law, like everyone died in my life. Like it was, I, I, everything got destroyed. I had to file for bankruptcy. Like it was, I lost everything, absolutely everything. Uh, back to back to back to back and then I just was like you know what there's no future here everything reminds me of things that are painful I don't want to be here I don't like Canada I'm back in Canada now Uh, (laughs) but I left with a one-way ticket to Italy and I ended up just traveling and I was taking jobs Uh, I did one year of modeling like really I, I was really successful at that like I got into Vogue Italia within six months like it was but I was not in love with being a model. I thought I need to use my brain. Like I didn't, I didn't feel aligned with doing that, but it was good money uh, and made me travel as well, like to Singapore, to Hong Kong and all these things. So it was fun. Uh, I did a lot of uh, translating jobs. I did a lot of marketing jobs. I did a lot of, I was building website. Like I was finding every single way to make money so I could travel without having to have a job. I just did whatever Whatever I could do, I would. That's that, that was kind of my my plan. And then eventually, I started feeling called to build something again. Um, I felt healed enough to be able to build something because when you lost everything, it's really hard to build something again because you're scared it's going to happen again. So it's better to have nothing to lose because then you feel like you're, you're not in fear all the time of losing. Um, so I had to do a lot of self-work. And then once I did all that self-work, I felt ready to build again and it's been three years it's gonna be actually three years in june that i've been um that i started doing my coaching business and it it went really amazing like i'm on hyper speed i'm i'm compounding time i'm doing things way faster than most people are doing but it's also because of all the experience that i got trying to find my way and navigating the world making money through so many things my knowledge is really, really, uh, really big in many areas. So with that knowledge, uh, what would be one thing that you would, you know, recommend or uh, advise to kind of the listeners as they're on this journey and they're trying to figure out where to go and create more 
you know, income streams, uh, where would you say that they should start and where should they lean in? It's, it's hard to say, like, because it's never a one size fit all. But what I would say is once you're truly locked in, committed and like truly. So so for me, I say my too good to be true life. That's I'm only available for too good to be true. So this might sound weird because most people like too good to be true. Like that if it's too good to be true, then it's not true. And me, it's the opposite. If it's too good to be true, this is what I want. Like, I only want to go to be true. And that's why I live in my dream loft. I drive my dream car. My clients are dream clients. Everything in my life is a dream come true because I don't settle and I go for too good to be true. And I'm really locked in on this is all I want. So this is what I'm going for. So if I want my dream buddy, I'm going to be disciplined and locked in on having my dream buddy because this is what I, I'm committed for. And a lot of people, they take so long before taking action. And the faster you take action is the faster you move. You move through actions. A lot of people, they wait until they're in pain before they move. They wait, like they're, they're waiting until they get to a place where they need to get out of there in order, like now I have to get out of this because it's painful start making action from pleasure start making i want this feels good i want more of this this cash flow this way of doing something feels good i want more of this i'm going to invest into learning more about this i'm going to read books about it i'm going to watch webinars i'm going to invest in a course investing it from desire instead of trying to fix our pain all the time it changes everything like i'm I'm committed to building a too good to be true life. This is the reason why my life goes so fast and too good to be true because that's my focus. I'm not focusing on avoiding pain. I'm focusing on creating joy. So this is that, that would be my advice. It's not that complicated. We just need to be locked in our desires. How do you identify your desires, right? And how do you pick which one to chase first? Um, this is what this would be intuition work. So for me personally, I sometimes I don't know what I want until I find it. So it's hard to know, but I'm open to it. So one of my mantra is I'm a self-made millionaire who creates daily miracles. And this is what I tell myself everywhere I go. So sometimes I'm going to go to Starbucks and because I'm in the abundance vibe, I'm going to give tip 50 bucks to for my coffee. And then I create a miracle. And then I'm like, how good of a job it is to be the person on her that can create mini miracles everywhere she goes. And by following that type of frequency, I find my desire. I find like things that I'm like, oh, I really like doing this. So sometimes we're not going to know until we start, like I said in the beginning, we're on the dance floor dancing. That's how we learn how to dance. So if the, if the resistance comes from, I don't know what my desire are, so start dancing, start going out, Start living your life because we're not going to find it if we're staying in the same place. We need movement. We need movement. We need movement. What's the uh, best way for the audience to be able to connect back with you, Em? Uh, I would say Instagram. M.Ducharme is the best way to connect with me. Excellent. Any last words of advice you want to leave with the audience? Uh, I would recommend to everyone who's listening to this to always take into consideration when you're trying to make your money grow, when you're trying to invest, when you're trying to play with your money, to not be available to this, to being deceived or to be disappointed and only be available to have your mind blown in the best way possible. Because every time 
We do something thinking it's okay if it doesn't work out. We're calling in. It's not going to work out because we're accepting of it. I am not, I'm not available for things not to work out. It always works out in my favor. So that's the only game that I'm playing is the one that's working out. And energetically, it's going to make your whole world difference. Awesome. Love your, uh, the way you frame everything and your perspective. It's excellent. Appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Prosperity Perspective. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, please head over to theprosperityperspective.com where you can hear from other successful business owners on their approach to investments. On our website, you'll be able to learn more about how DML Capital currently helps other business owners like yourself diversify their investments and grow their wealth. Take our short quiz to see if you're ready to take the next steps toward your financial success. 